Amen. Good stuff. Wanted to show you that. How many are going to be watching the Super Bowl today? All right. I, I usually I usually take a little survey. Um, how many of you are rooting for Seattle? Raise your hand. Okay. How many are rooting for Buffalo? Okay. Just checking. All right. Uh, I want to show you that because it's kind of interesting when you, you, many of us don't know the background of some of these guys, and, and uh, I, I caught this clip, I, I enjoy listening uh, to Mark Driscoll, and, and I caught one of these clips, and I, of course, Mark's church is in Seattle, so he's a little biased to the, to the Seahawks, but uh, interesting to see the quarterbacks, obviously a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and where their priorities are, and that's so, uh, so important in our day and age, so maybe that'll give you, maybe if you're a Denver fan, maybe you'll switch over to Seattle and root for Russell. I don't know. I, I like both teams, so I don't really care because Buffalo's not there. And I think it's been like 50 years since they've been there. But anyways, um, we're glad that you're here this morning. And, and uh, let me just say this. I hope that you are listening to the words of the worship songs that we're singing today. I almost feel like bringing the whole band up back again and just singing them all over again because it goes perfectly with what we're talking about over the next couple of weeks, and that's trusting the promises of God. How many of you this morning, maybe you came in and, you know, you, you, you get the January blahs, you know, it's never sunny out and it's just gray all the time. I think in January is probably the least sunny day for us and, and, and during the year in Rochester, and you just get those blahs, and all of a sudden you come to, with other believers, and, and you begin to sing about who Christ is, and who God is, and the character of God, and all of a sudden you begin to sing about the promises of God, and I don't know about you, it just lifts my spirit. I mean, I don't know about you, it just, it, it just changes things from, from being dull and mundane to like, wait a minute, we serve a living God this morning, regardless if the sun isn't shining, we serve a living God who cares for us, who loves us, who gave his life for us, and we've got a lot of things to rejoice about this morning. Amen? Amen. Good. Okay, you're, you're a little bit awake, but that's good. We're, we're, we're getting there. So, so we're, we're looking through the promises of God, and my prayer for you over the next couple of weeks is that you will grab a hold of these promises. The Word of God tells us that there's over 3,000 promises that we can hold on to. And the promises are there for you that you can see that God is true, that God is true to His Word, that God is true to to, uh, wanting all of us to experience and enter into His glory. And so I want you to realize that I I want you to get to the point to where when you're going through a difficult time in your life that you lean so heavily on the promises of God that no matter what trial you're going through, you will know that God is good. That God is good. He remains forever good. And that's what we're going to look at today, that God is good. He's a caring and compassionate God and cares for his creation. So most people that I deal with that struggle with the character of God, nine times out of 10, they just have a misconception about God's character and who he really is. And what better place than to understand about the character of God than God's word? So let's put aside all the things that you were brought up with or or what other people may have told you about God. I want to take you into God's word. I want to immerse you into his word because his word speaks of who he is. God is speaking to us. This is who I am. Don't listen to the world. 
Don't listen to what other religious systems say about me. I want you to know me personally by how I describe myself through his beautiful perfect word. Amen. So let's pray. Let's just ask God just to, as we, we just dig into his promises today that God is good. Let's just open up our hearts. Let's just pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we, we come to you and, and Lord, even when we are going through trials and difficulties in our lives, God, Lord, help us to look to you and know that you're good. You want us to enter into that relationship where, where we experience, not just know in our mind, but literally experience your joy and your presence, even in the midst of our darkness many times. So Lord, thank you for your promises that hold true from generation to generation to generation. You are the same and you never change. And Lord, us sitting here in 2014, we can look back and look at your word and see how you were faithful to Israel, how you were faithful to the patriarchs, how you were faithful to individuals over and over and over again. And we can take heart in that today, that you're the same God that delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt's bondage is the same God that's going to deliver us today. We can trust you. So we just thank you for this time. And Lord, we thank you that you made us Syracuse fans in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I'm in a good mood today. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, okay? Um, what I want to do today is I want to look at a particular psalm that, that I believe is so critical and, and I believe helped King David get through tremendous obstacles in his life. And, and I believe David understood about the promises of God and relied heavily on the promises of God. And if you, if you read through the, the Psalms, you understand that David wrote out of his heart. David wrote out of experiences that were difficult, that were beyond his control many times. David made a zillion mistakes in his life, but yet he knew where to turn to find his forgiveness and restoration that he knew that God ultimately was his redeemer. So why are promises so important? Listen to me closely. The promises of God found in the scripture reveals God's wonderful character that he's always true to his word. And what I love about the promises of God is they help us to live in the reality of today. They, they help us to live. Every single one of us have, have things and struggles in our lives that we battle with each and every day. That's what I love about the family of God that when we begin to do life together that when we begin to do community together and we get involved in each other's lives, we're able to pray with each other and realize that we all struggle. Can I get an amen? amen. I, boy, I, I would hate for the day when church just becomes a very sanitized place where we have no troubles or problems. To me, that is not a mark of a true church. To me, the mark of a true church is when we come to God and we're authentic and we realize that we're all messy and we're all dysfunctional and we all have our issues and we come to Christ looking for help and we're helping each other to come to Christ looking for help. That's the true mark of a church, right? Not whether, not, not, it's not how high you can lift your hands or how well you can sing or how many verses you may have memorized. All those things are fine and wonderful, but, but true authentic church comes when we are involved in each other's lives and we're praying for each other and we don't feel alone in our struggles. Amen? 
Let's pray. That was just, that's good right in itself. We can just go home after that one. That's good, that's good stuff right there. I love what James McDonald, wonderful pastor, says about the promises. I love his, his, his comments on this. He says, a promise is the assurance that God gives to his people so that they can walk by faith while they wait for God to work. Well, they wait for God to work. Promises are not given for us so that we can manipulate God. They're not some magic formula that you say and poof, God does our bidding. In fact, the promises of God are given to us so that we may enter into God's glory, that he may reveal himself true, that you may worship him for who he truly is, not necessarily for God to do our bidding or to manipulate God or use God to a means for our own ends, but the promises are there so that you may experience God for who he truly is, that even in the midst of your uh, uh, darkness or trials that you're going through, you can still say that God is good. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine getting to the place in your life that even when you go through a difficult time, that you can still say, but God, you know what? I know you're good. I still know you're good. I know that this doesn't look good in my life compared to the world and the way they would look at my life. They may say, well, this doesn't look good or this isn't good because things necessarily aren't going your way. Do you realize that the apostles that gave their life for Jesus Christ, none of them would probably be best-selling authors I don't know too many books that people would write to say how, how to persecute, how to be persecuted for Jesus. Ten best ways. Buy my book for 1999, right? I, I, don't, I don't see it. But yet they knew that God was good. Why? Because they experienced Christ in the midst of their pain and their suffering. And they could rejoice that God was good. Here's the problem. The problem is, is when despair begins to set in our lives. And, and when despair sets in, that's when we move away from God, where God says, no, this is where I want you to move closer to me. You see, despair is defined as, as destitute of, of, of a positive expectation. This is where we just feel like, you know what? I just don't think things are going to work out. Um, you may have been in a place like that for a long time now. You're, you, you're not not feeling nothing. You're feeling that, well, things couldn't improve. Um, how many have ever felt this way? I don't, I don't know how this can get any worse. And then it does, right? How many of you, you're, you're out there and you're shoveling your driveway and you get all done, your driveway's all nice. And then all of a sudden you see the snowplow come around and he dumps another three foot in the front of your drive. You're like, oh, I, I didn't think this could get anywhere, right? We, we, listen, things can happen in your life that can fast forward your despair. It, it can happen all of a sudden. You're not expectant. And then the news comes and, and you have no time to even prepare yourself. Um, then there's that compound issue, one on top of the other, whether it's health, job, relationships. Things just seem like they're, they're getting worse. Some of you, you're like, man, I, 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 you know, I, I thought following Jesus, it was going to all get better. Whoever told you that, punch him right in the throat, all right? See, what happens is we get this mindset that, 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 that we come to follow Christ and all of a sudden everything in my life is going to be hunky-dory and, and just wonderful. Hunky-dory, that's an old word. But anyways, uh, kids, write that down. That's a good one. Um, 
we, we get this idea that, and so what happens is, if our mindset's that way, we're not leaning into the promises of God, we end up getting a view of God that when things don't go well in my life, God must be disappointed with me. Or, or this Christian thing isn't working out for me because how come things aren't getting better because they're supposed to get better and then all of a sudden they get worse and all of a sudden we have a wrong view of the character of God. And we think that God is there just to make our life better. That's a wrong view of the Lord. So, so despair, what's funny about this is, is we, can, we can go into despair when, when we don't think things are going our way or these compound issues pile up on each other. But, but how many you know that some of you may even be here and say despair can even come when we feel like we have everything? Right? We, we're like, yeah, I got a job. I got heat in my house. I got a car, uh, money in the bank. I'm eating well every day. You know, I've got my health. And, all of a sudden, and then you say, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I'm still kind of like down. I don't know what it is. I have everything, but yet I still feel um, this despair. Um, you, you, many of you know I just love tennis. I love watching tennis. And uh, one of my favorite tennis players when I was in college was Boris Becker. How many of you remember Boris Becker? Yeah, Boris Becker. Great German tennis player in the 80s. Here's what's interesting. I read this about Boris Becker. He said his biggest challenge after winning two Wimbledons, he was like, eight years old when he won his first Wimbledon, just young in his teenage years. And he said, the biggest challenge after winning two Wimbledons, that's like the pinnacle of Grand Slam in tennis. He said he had thoughts of suicide after winning two Wimbledons. I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton. He's a, he was a Christian apologist who lived in the late 1800s, early 1900s. He makes a great point here. Chesterton says, the ultimate point of meaningless does not come from being weary of pain, but the ultimate point of meaningless comes from being weary of pleasure. The ultimate point of meaningless comes from being weary of pleasure. Now, I think if we're going to default to any two faults here of either being weary of pain I don't think we even understand in America of what being weary of pain really is from the rest of the world and the persecuted church and the countries that we go and minister to in Central America. I think our problem tends to be that we can get weary of pleasure. I mean, how many channels can you have on your TV, right? Remember the day when cable came out and there was that little box and, and you just had the little plastic buttons you pressed, and there was like 10 of them, and that was it. And we still didn't know what channel to watch. And now there's like 8 million zillion channels on the TV. We still don't know what to watch, right? It, it's, it's, it's this, uh, we have so much leisure that can be thrown at us that it's easy for us to say, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still don't know. I'm, I'm weary of this. And, and, and even though I have all this stuff, I'm still... Weary of this pleasure. I like that quote by Chesterson. So let's move on here. What, what, how, do we, how do we work through those things without allowing despair to set into our lives, without it completely taking over? And maybe you're here today and, and you're saying, man, Pastor, I'm pretty close to that, or I'm, I'm sitting here today and, and I'm just in despair. I, I just, I'm just, 
I'm not happy. This is where I believe that we can put our full weight on the promises of God and God can help us through this. We, we need to know that God is good, that his goodness never changes. And here's where David comes in, I believe, that is so important for us to understand. Because when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you understand that Jesus was our substitute and gave his life for your sins. And that God demonstrated his love towards us by giving us his son. That while we were still sinners and brought nothing to the table, that we didn't merit God's love. That God loved us in spite of ourselves. Pretty powerful stuff. And, and, and thus you begin to understand the grace of God. And when you understand that, then these songs make a whole lot of sense that we we're singing this morning, that nothing can separate us from his wonderful love. And so even though we're going through a difficult time, we begin to say there, there begins to become a song within our heart, joy within our heart that says, you know what? I'm going through this bad time, but, but nothing can separate me from his love. And Paul said it, neither heights nor death nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And I believe David understood this. So if, if, if you're taking notes, um, I want you to write some of these verses down because I believe they're going to help you. They may not help you today, but they might help you tomorrow, Right? They might help you next week. They might help you next month. They're going to help you. So, so, so write these down because I want these to become the core of your life that when you're going through despair, you can lean heavily upon these promises. So let's look at the first one here. Let's, let's look at Psalms 27, 13. This is from the New American Standard Version. I love what David says here. He says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, I would have despaired if I didn't believe this, if, if I didn't believe that God was good in all my uh, running and all my travels and, and, and running from Saul and running from my enemy, I, I would have despaired, but, but I know that God is good. And, and I'm going to see it while I'm alive. I'm going to see that God is good while I'm alive. So I appreciate what, about what David says. He's, he's like you and, and me. He, he's made so many mistakes in his life. And yet he's called a man after God's own heart. He's totally honest. If I, if I, if I wouldn't have believed this, I, 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 would have, I would have given up. Through all my trials, I know I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord even, even as I'm living. And, it, you know, I, I try to... Think of, of someone, I mean, maybe you've gone through tremendous uh, trials and you've seen God's goodness help you through and you're saying, man, you know, every single one of us have a story. And if I were to allow many of you to share, you could say, hey, here's a time I went through, really dark time in my life and, and, and God just helped me through it and, and, and I know that he's good. And, and that, that's, that's concrete, that, that's bedrock in your soul, knowing that God is good because he brought you through something personal. Listen, it... it, it we can have so much knowledge of God up here, but, we, but then we lack experiencing God in our lives here. And I believe it's through those trials that we experience God. So he allows us to go through those trials so that we can experience his presence and his goodness. Ooh, thank you. I'm about to preach on you guys, so just get ready here, okay? Um, 
when I, when I think about this, I'm, 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 I'm always drawn back to, to Corey Ten Boone. Love Corey Ten Boone's story. Um, if you don't know about her, Corey's family helped hide Jews during the Nazi occupation of Holland or the Netherlands. Many of you have read her book, The Hiding Place. You need to read that if you've never read that book, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boone. And uh, her family uh, was in prison for hiding Jews in their home during the Holocaust. And um, four of her family members died because of this very thing. Corey and her sister were placed in one of the most worst concentration camps, and it's eventually where her sister died. Corey lived to share her story until her death in 1983. And if you had the privilege of hearing her, God bless you. Um, incredible testimony of what God did. And, and even after that, incredible, incredible testimony of what God did in her life um, and how God uh, fulfilled many of the promises in her life that, that, that she believed God would do. And I, I want you to just, here's my three top quotes. There's actually four, but let me give you three here. Um, from Corey and her experience through the concentration camps during World War II. She says this. She goes, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. Amen. She said, there's no pit so deep that God's love is still not deeper. When a train goes through the tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. You see, the bottom line is, Corey trusted God, not her situation. You see, if you are in Christ you begin to understand that your circumstances do not dictate your future. Your life and your past choices before Christ do not dictate who you are in the future with your relationship with Christ. They don't make up who you are. It's Christ and your identification with him that you now stand. So what gets us through is that we have to know God is good. What got Corey Ten Boom through is she knew that God was good, that he was faithful and her testimony is incredible about that. See, I want you to remember that God will get the glory. He will vindicate himself. Our job is to trust. So when life is dark and it doesn't make sense, this is when the promises of God make the most sense. Wow. See, we're not going to experience the promises of God unless life sometimes gets dark because then they make the most sense and the reality sets in that God says, I'm going to show you how good I am that even in the midst of your darkness and your trial, I'm going to show you that I'm good. See, many times we think, well, what makes sense is when my life is perfect. God says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh He says, it's when it's dark and it makes no sense that I'm going to show you that my tr promises make the most sense. So what, what gave David confidence? How do we get through this life and even our trials with joy? Not, not a false joy, not a pseudo joy, but a real joy in Christ. How do we get through uh, these circumstances in our life? What, what, got, what gave David confidence, even with the regrets of his past and all the mistakes that he made, what made him write some of these Psalms that gave him such a joy? Because what David did is he didn't trust in his life and his regrets and his guilt. He trusted in God who could redeem. See, the problem with our lives is 
We feel like we've got to make up for our past through our own strength and our own ability. Let me tell you, that is an endless pit that you can never get out of. If you're here today and you're still trying to, 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 to do penance over your past sins, let me tell you, that's a lifelong journey that will never end. And so David, with all his regrets, his adultery, killing a man, all this other stuff, he had all these regrets, not a good father. I love when people say, oh, well, we want to have a biblical marriage. I don't know one marriage in the Bible that was actually good. The, show me a biblical marriage in the Bible and I'll... I'll Pointed to there, there isn't. There's a lot of bad marriages in the Bible of people making mistakes. We're all in the same boat, aren't we? (laughs) Right? And that's what I love about the Bible. It doesn't whitewash. It shows us how to have a biblical marriage and how to love our spouses. But the examples that we have from people that were married aren't very good. David's life wasn't very good when you actually look at it from the outside. Looking in, he made a lot of mistakes. But what helped David from not going into the pits of despair? Well, here's what gave David confidence. Here's what's going to give you confidence. To overcome your past, your guilt, your regrets, and to live in the joy that Christ desires to give you in your life, even when you're going through darkness or whatever it may be. Here's one thing that David knew. He knew that God was faithful in the past. So here's what's important. What begins to happen is when we go through a very dark time in our life, we tend to forget how God was faithful in the past because we get so immersed in the now that we forget that God was faithful in the past because we feel like we get in such despair that we feel like, well, how is this going to work out? How is God going to get me out of this? How is this going to change? And God says, I want you to know that I'm faithful in the past. I want you to write this down. Exodus 14, verses 13 and 14. Maybe David recalled this. Maybe he began to think back to uh, how God was faithful to Israel and to Moses. Listen to what this says. It says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Moses was saying, listen, I know this enemy, it's the biggest country in the world at that time. I know that they're powerful. I know they can overwhelm us. But he said, be still and wait on the Lord. He's the one that's going to provide the salvation for you. And and maybe David looked back. Maybe David said, you know what? God was faithful to Israel to deliver them out of the bondage of Egypt. And he's going to be faithful to deliver me out of my enemy's hands. He's faithful then. He's going to be faithful today. The same God that Moses served is the same God we serve today. He is people. He hasn't changed. He's the same. Same God. Same God that parted the Red Sea. Same guy. Same God. Powerful guy. I I, want to serve him. He's the ruler of this universe. He's the one that's ultimately in control. He's in control of your life. Give him control. Amen? So David could look back and see the faithfulness of God through each generation. So what you need to do is you need to recall in your mind when God was faithful to you. When God met 
a particular need in your life. Recall that in your mind and encourage yourself. Encourage yourself in the word that's saying, God, I knew you were faithful to each generation and you're going to be faithful to me. God was faithful in the past, which means that God is going to be faithful in the present. And this is what I believe that, that, that David really understood because David was living in the presence, whether it's being pursued by King Saul for his very life or his enemies, whatever it was, he knew and he experienced not only knowing that God was faithful in the past, but he experienced God right in the presence. So here, here's the second thing I want you to understand is he knew God would be faithful in the presence. Write these scriptures down. Because I believe these are going to help you when you're going through a dark time. You can recall these passages so you can encourage yourself in the Lord. Psalms 56, 3 and 4. It says, but when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Sounds like something Gandalf would say in Lord of the Rings. Well, what can mere mortals do to me, right? What, what, what can they do to me? I'm going to trust in the Lord. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. So I'm going to trust the Lord right here in the present. You see, David was confident that he would see God's goodness in the land of the living. Otherwise, he would have despaired. I'm not going to give up. I know you're working. So, so here's my encouragement to you. Don't give up praying for your family. Don't give up praying for your children. Don't give up praying for a job. Whatever, whatever it is that you're going through, that, that thing that's challenging you, don't give up. Keep seeking the Lord in the presence and, and just lean that much harder on his promises during those times and watch God bring you his joy and peace, and presence in the midst of that difficult time. I love Psalm 34, 8. David says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. What David is saying here is experience the Lord, experience his presence in the midst of your trial. That is when it's going to be most authentic. So David's saying, listen, just taste and see that the Lord is good. Begin to memorize these promises within your mind. Get, let them be the seed within your heart, that, that bedrock that is not going to shake you during difficult times. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Write that down. That's a good one. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. David said, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Okay, now here we, here's where we're going to go. Now, listen. Here's, here's, here's something that's key in helping you to not spiral down into despair as you live for God in the present, even in the presence of the reality of where you're living your life today. Here's where it goes. This is what David did. He says, listen. What are the benefits of the Lord? Here it is. He forgives all your sins. Amen. I'll be the first one to say amen. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. 
who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with what? Good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. What a promise. So what David is saying, listen, what I'm going to do is instead of falling into despair and seeing all the things that are against me, that would cause me to fall into despair. I'm going to remember the benefits of the Lord that he's forgiven my sins by giving me his son, Jesus Christ. He's, he can heal all my diseases. He redeems me from the pit. He crowns me with his love and compassion. He satisfies my heart with, with good things. See, in the midst of my hurt, I can still find strength and help in my time of need instead of allowing myself to spiral down in despair. And the way we do that is by recalling the promises of God. And that's what David did. Now, here's the third thing. Not only do we recall the past and that we live in the reality of the present, that God is going to be good right here in the present, but I love this too. That God is going to be faithful in the future. This is what's amazing. I, 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 I love that, that God is faithful in the past. Um, that's good to remember. That, that the present, the reality we're living in today, we can experience and know that God is good in the land of the living. But also, but also, he's going to see it all the way through. All the way through to the very end. God will be faithful. Listen to Psalm 103. Write this down. Psalm 103 verses 15 through 19. Here's what David says. And it just puts a reality on our life and how futile it is and how, how quickly it passes by. He said, our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. That makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? We bloom and die. But it's true, isn't it? It's true. The wind blows and we are gone. Like a dandelion or a, yeah, is it a dandelion when you blow? And it, I don't know. I don't remember. I'm too old for all that stuff. But he says, but the love, listen, we're, we're here one moment, gone the next. James says we're vapor. We're, we're here. We're gone like the wind. We're blown away. But verse 17 says, but the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. Listen to this promise. Are you ready? I love this. I love this. Here you go, parent. Ready, parent? Parents? 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 Me, I'm a parent that's praying for your kids. You ready? His salvation extends to the children's children. His salvation extends to the children's children. Boy, some of you need to grab onto that today because some of you listen. I know you. I know I'm your pastor. I know you guys. Some of you are like, but pastor, I, I, it's pretty, I, I'm in despair over my children. I, I, I just not see that. Psalm 103, verse 17. But the love of the Lord remains forever for those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children. God hasn't given up. Why are you? God is patient. God was patient with you. It's God's will that all come to repentance and a saving knowledge of his son, Jesus. Don't give up. 
Don't go in despair. I know it looks bleak sometimes, but you keep praying. Because if, if it will teach you one thing, it'll teach you to give you a deeper love than you would ever have for your children otherwise. Even in your despair, you're going to keep praying. And God's going to show you some magnificent things even within your own heart that you never thought were there. Verse 19, the Lord has made the heavens his throne and from there he rules over everything. There's an interesting story. Many of you know this woman. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. And um, Joni is a, quadriplegic, paralyzed from the shoulders down from a swimming accident in her teens. So she's basically lived with this her whole life. And she speaks and she learned to paint with her mouth. Incredible artist. She learned to overcome this horrible thing that happened to her life. And she, wonderful speaker, many have read her books, just incredible testimony. I remember listening to her one time and she said this. She goes, a lot of people come up to me and pray for my healing. She goes, I believe God can heal me from this. But she goes, many times what I ask people to pray for me about is this. She says, pray for my bad attitude. Quadriplegic, praying for a bad, she's saying, pray for my bad attitude. Pray, pray that God would use me. Pray that I, I wouldn't get disheartened because of what happened. Keep praying for my heart, that my heart remains tender to Jesus Christ. She has this wonderful quote that says, we will stand amazed to see the top side of the tapestry and how God beautifully embroidered each circumstance into a pattern for our good and his glory. You see, I think what happens in our life is we get so discouraged because of our past and mistakes and where our life is going and everything is, is perfect. We're like, God, how can, how can you turn this all over for your glory? God does. It's amazing. And I was thinking about that. Some of you are, uh, are needlepoint people. And I give you a lot of credit for that because... Um, I don't have the eyes for that. I don't know how you just, you know, you, I, I would have to have like a telescope to, 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 to weave in there. And some of you do a wonderful, wonderful job. So um, Catherine, my secretary, got a needlepoint from her mom because I said, I need some, I need a needlepoint because I want to I make this final illustration of my sermon. And um, here's what the back side of a needlepoint looks like. Now, for many, you're like, what in the world is that? Because in the backside, it's gnarly. It, you can't really tell what the picture is. It's a mess. It's just, now, there's some of you out there that you are just fanatics about having the other side even, even real good. Uh, but for most, you're like, there's no way I would ever do that because it just takes too much time. But it's just a mess in the back. And I got thinking about that. That's exactly like our life before Christ. It's a mess. 
It's gnarly. We can't make sense of it. We've made mistakes. We have regrets. We have all these things that, we, that can just cause us to go in despair and not feel like we can even live for Christ because like, man, I, I, how can I be a Christian? You know, my friends, my family are going to think, oh, that's just a put on. I know who you really are. I know all the bad choices you make. And we just feel like, man, because of all these regrets in my past, how can I know that God is good? How can I know that, that, that God can work things out for his glory? And what's amazing is he takes this mess and all this dysfunction. And it changes it to a beautiful work that he uses for his glory. Now, I was hoping someone would do a needlepoint of me because I could show my messed up life. And then, you know, this is the best I could do in short notes. But he does. He takes our messed up past and makes it into a beautiful tapestry for his glory, for his glory, for his purposes. And that's what he does for you and I. Some of you here today, you, you're struggling, you're struggling because you've got a wrong view of God. You're struggling because you haven't really found out that God really is good. How can God be good when this has happened in my past? When this experience has happened in my past? How can Johnny Erickson Tata say God is good when as a teenager she's having fun and one moment she's swimming in the Chesapeake Bay, the next minute she's paralyzed? How can she say that God is good after all those years? The reason why she can say God is good is because God can take all that stuff all that messy stuff and still use it for his glory. That's what I love about her testimony is because she's experienced the goodness of the Lord even in her paralyzed state. Corey Ten Boom experienced the goodness of the Lord. She saw God's goodness in the land of the living even though she lost her family in World War II. I want to pray for you today because this communion is going to be different for some of you here today. Some of you here today, you are struggling. And I believe that when we come to the communion table today, God's going to heal some of you today. That God is going to bring his promises to light for you today. That's what communion does because we're remembering the promise of God that Jesus died for my sins, that he gave his life for me. That, that, that listen, the, 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 the blood of Christ is that covenant that Jesus makes with God. It's covenantal language that says, Jesus, I'm going to give my life, my perfect life for every single one of you. I'm going to commit myself to dying for your sins so that nothing through my life will ever separate you from my father's love. That's why Paul could say, even being almost stoned to death and eventually dying a martyr's death, that's why Paul could say, neither height nor death, neither angels nor demons, nor nothing in all creation can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He believed it. Why? Because of this. Because Jesus conquered the grave. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he did everything for you that you could not do for yourself. 
prayer for you today is that you would experience that promise in your heart that nothing, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I want you to bow your hearts. Listen, we're going to take communion. The ushers are going to prepare themselves, but let's just make this a sacred moment. I want you to bow your hearts. As I pray, as we just prepare our hearts for communion, how many of you would say, Pastor, that is just me today. I, I just need to experience God's promises in my heart today. That I'm just going to be honest with you, Pastor. That's me. I want you to lift your hand up to the Lord. Not me, but to the Lord. Say, Pastor, that's me. I just need to know it. Walk in a little despair, but I need to know it. Amen. Amen. That's to the Lord. God sees your heart. He knows what you're going through. You're responding to that message today that God is good. Amen. So Lord, as we, as we bow our hearts before you today, as we prepare our hearts for communion, Jesus says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me, of what I've done for you. So we're remembering the promise that you gave your life for us, that you made a covenant with God through your own blood, that you took the wrath of God upon yourself and all the, and all the judgment that should have been poured out on me was poured out upon your son, which vindicated your holiness, God. That proved that you are both a perfect and just God at the same time. And so, Lord, as we prepare our hearts, I pray for every single person in this room that's just discouraged. That they would take these promises that they wrote down today and they would lean on them. They would read them every day and encourage themselves in you. That they're not, they're not going to give up because they know that you're a God of the past, you're a God of the present, and you're a God of the future. That never changes. So may that be our confidence in our confidence alone as we prepare our hearts to take communion and to recognize that, Jesus, you are the only way, that there's no other way to God, that, Jesus, you are the only one who can secure our future with God. And so prepare our hearts, we pray today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. The ushers are going to come. They're going to serve you. We're going to wait to the end to take communion together. And if you are here, um, communion's open to all of you who have asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior. So by all means, uh, participate with us in communion. And just worship with the worship team as they lead us in worship. God bless you as you take communion today. Amen.
That's a powerful song. And we understand that it's all because of Jesus' sacrifice that he paid for you and I. So much he loves us. Wasn't willing for us to die in despair. Jesus came as a servant, took on our pain, suffering, our sins. That all of us here might be redeemed and purchased back. And so in Christ Jesus, we are now that new creation. Behold, all things become new, Paul says. That's our hope, that in Christ, we have a hopeful future. And guess what? At the end, we win. That, those are pretty good odds, I would say. I want to be on that team. And so as we go before the Lord today, as we pray over these elements today, um, maybe there's something in your heart today that you just need covered the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of all your unrighteousness, all of it, and cleanse you today and make you new. The reason why he can do that is because he's God and he gave his life for you. So Lord, as we Bob, before you today, we thank you for the bread that we hold in our hands today that, that symbolize your body that was beaten, bruised for us. It was a physical body. You felt the nails going through your hands, your feet, the spear in your side, the, the crown that was made out of thorns that was placed on your, on your head, the, the blood that bled from your brow. Jesus, you felt that you experienced the pain of death. And you did it as our substitute. You did it for us. And Jesus, you conquered the grave three days later. And you tell those who follow you, even though we die, we live. Death no longer has its hold over us. That's our hope. And so our future is secure in Christ Jesus. So we thank you for this bread. We thank you that you are the bread of life, that you satisfy every need that we will ever have. And so we're grateful for that this morning. In your precious name, amen. Let's partake of the bread. And Jesus, we, we hold this cup in our hand, symbolizing your blood that was shed for us. The cup represents God's wrath that was poured out upon Jesus. And Jesus did not deny that cup, but he took the full wrath of God for us. This blood symbolizes a death. 
And your word says that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of our sins. So Jesus, you went the whole way for us by shedding your blood that for whoever believes in you shall not perish but have everlasting life. So we put our belief in you, Jesus, as the way, the truth, and life. There is no other way to God except through Jesus because you're the only one who was God, who shed his blood, who became our substitute because there's no way we could ever overcome the debt of our sin. But Jesus, you did that for us. And by our faith and through your grace, we can now now find salvation. Thank you for the hope that that gives us today. Even in the midst of our darkness, that's the hope that we have today, that Jesus is alive. So we thank you for what this cup symbolizes in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. Amen. Listen, um, before I let you go today, maybe um, you're here today and you just need prayer. Um, Our prayer partners, we have wonderful people that love to pray with you. We'll be up front and uh, we'll pray for you. Um, Some of you are here today and you're saying, Pastor, I want to continue my journey with Jesus. Uh, We do have a free booklet on our information table called What Now? That's free. The Bibles in in, in the seats are free. If you don't have a Bible, you can take those. We want you to continue to experience your walk with Jesus Christ. Isn't God good? God is good. Amen. I, I want to stay again, do it again, like another hour. Let's just stay in worship again. I mean, this is good today. I'm, I'm glad I came here. No Super Bowl is good as this stuff, right? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your day. God bless. There's someone listening or watching this that needs a brand new start in Jesus Christ. Right now, wherever you are, if God is drawing you to himself and you felt as we were...